0: Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gonis Malka. Welcome to Humanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is Dr. Helene Hanakom, who is a specialist radiologist in private practice at Dr. Berger Radiologists, Inc. in Pretoria. She sits on several multi-specialist oncology boards. She is part of the Breast Care Group and the Breast Imaging Society of South Africa, which are all aimed at providing world-class care to patients. And we're having this conversation in commemoration of uh, October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Well- Welcome to the show, Dr. Hanukom.
1: Thank you very much. It's such an honor to be here. So as I
0: said, October is the month of breast cancer awareness. It's an annual campaign which serves to raise awareness about breast cancer. Unfortunately, breast cancer is one of the top five cancers that affect women. According to the International Agency for Research on Cancer, in 2020, breast cancer accounted for nearly a third of all new cancers in South African women, which was approximately 15,000 cases. And throughout sub-Saharan Africa, the incidence of breast cancer amongst women is on the rise. I suppose some of the questions that I want to ask here is if this is possibly due to changes in environment, lifestyle, diet, or genetics and age. So can you start by explaining to us some of the risk factors for women in particular?
1: Yes, definitely. As you said, breast cancer is a a global problem and also a major problem in South Africa with the incidence of cancer that is on the rise. So if we look at the the risk factors for breast cancer specifically, we sort of divide it into two groups. We talk about the modifiable risk factors. Those are the ones that you can do something about. And then the non-modifiable ones, the ones that you can't do anything about. So the first non-modifiable risk factor that comes to mind is definitely age. The older we get, the higher our risk of cancer and also breast cancer. That's not to say that young women do not get cancer. Um, Statistics show that about one in eight breast cancers are diagnosed in women under the age of 45. So, uh, But with increasing age, your risk definitely does increase as well. Then having a family history of breast cancer or ovarian cancer also increases your risk to develop cancer and a personal history of breast cancer. That means if you've had breast cancer yourself, your chance of developing a new breast cancer in the same breast or in the other breast is three to four times higher than it is for the general population. Um, and then also dense breast tissue. So just to clarify, dense breast tissue is the, the amount of fibroglandular tissue in the breast. We um, discern that on a mammogram. And as breast density increases, the amount of fibroglandular tissue in the breast is more. And that places at higher risk for breast cancer. Unfortunately, that dense breast tissue also makes a mammogram more difficult to interpret. So in those patients, it's definitely of value to come for regular mammograms because interval change, you know, seeing change over time becomes very important to us. Then if we look at the modifiable risk factors, those are the ones you can do something about. Lifestyle factors um, is a major component. So um, smoking definitely increases your chances of cancer and specifically breast cancer, lack of physical activity, a diet high in saturated fats. Those are all things that you can do something about. Then there are hormonal factors um, such as early onset of menstruation uh, before the age of 12 and then late onset of menopause after the age of 55. Um, If you've had your first child after the age of 30 years or have not had children at all. That also increases a risk of breast cancer. But again, breastfeeding somewhat decreases your risk of cancer again. Um, and then lastly, hormone replacement therapy also places you at a high risk for breast cancer. That's not to say that there isn't a place for hormone replacement therapy. You know, that's def- there is definitely a place for that. It's just that there are risks associated and we need to be aware of those risks and we need to institute monitoring of the hormone replacement therapy, you know, that it's not used for excess, of long periods of time, and that um, especially during those times that you are taking extra hormonal therapy, that you are aware that screening for cancer is very important. It's tough getting old. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) I
0: realize we're on on radio, but could you give us a view of kind of the ABCs of self-checks that women can perform and also how often this should be done?
1: Yes, definitely. So breast self-examination is a very important part of breast cancer screening. Um, It doesn't replace screening mammography because the whole point of a screening mammogram is to detect the breast cancer before it is palpable. But we do recommend breast self-examination because the value in it lies by getting to know your body um, and being aware of when changes occur. So we actually recommend breast self-examination from a young age, you know, your teens and 20s, so that you can see um, or feel what your body looks like like and know when those changes occur. And we suggest that breast self-examination is done monthly, um, sort of at the same time every month to to account for those hormonal changes in the breast as well. So there are two components to breast self-examination. The first is the visual component where you stand in front of the mirror, firstly with your hands arms relaxed by your sides, and you just look you look for symmetry, shape of the breasts, um, if there are any skin changes, dimpling of the skin, indentation or retraction of the skin. You look at the nipples, if there's any scaling, redness, asymmetry of the nipples. You then place your hands on your hips and you activate your chest muscles and you place your hands above your head as well. Again, looking for symmetry and shape when you do that. Then the next is the palpation or the feeling component. So with that, you can either stand in a shower with some soap uh, so that will make Make it easier to feel or otherwise lie on your bed. Um, you want to place the hand of the breast that you're examining above your head. So if you're examining the right breast, you'll place your right hand behind or above your head and you'll feel your breast with the left hand. You use the pads of your middle three fingers and you use both light pressure as well as deeper pressure to both feel superficially in the breast and deep within the breast. You want to feel the breast from the level of the collarbone all the way down to the underside of the breast, so the upper abdomen almost, and then from your cleavage to under your arm as well, and you're feeling for any lumps, any ridges, anything that's changing. If you do detect any abnormalities, you shouldn't be alarmed because not everything means that you have cancer. It can just be an indication that there is something happening and that you should go for further evaluation with a healthcare practitioner to see if it's something that needs to be um, checked out further. Thanks for walking us through those comprehensive steps. Your focus
0: is obviously on the radiology aspect and mammography itself. Can you tell us about the, the types of, of screening measures that one can use to uh, detect cancers and possibly through kind of the early detection, it helps reduce the seriousness of, of the prognosis?
1: Yes, so as you know, there's a big emphasis on early detection to improve survival. Um, so with regards to screening mammography, when we talk about screening, we talk about asymptomatic women. So that means it's a woman with no symptoms, someone who is not aware of any breast problems and simply coming for routine evaluation. So in those women, we recommend annual, so yearly mammograms from the age of 14. Um, it's not always possible due to financial restraints or access, but I always say to patients, we want to get as close to that as possible. We know that a lot of medical aids fund um, screening mammograms from preventative benefits, but women do not take up these benefits. So we'd like to encourage them, even if you do come every second year or only after you know um, at the age of 45 or so, please use those benefits. Don't, don't let them go to waste. But the the gold standard remains yearly mammograms from the age of 40. And then as a side note, I'd just like to say that, remember, I'm talking about women who have no symptoms, um, women of any age, and, and also men as well. So any age, any gender, if you do have any breast concerns, don't wait. Don't think that I am not 40 yet. I cannot have a mammogram. If you have any symptoms, present to a healthcare practitioner, have it evaluated. Um, If necessary, we will do a mammogram or a breast ultrasound. And if we find something that we're worried about, that may lead to further investigations such as biopsies. But in symptomatic patients, patients who have problems, who have any concerns, please don't wait go for further evaluation immediately. From a public sector point of view, how costly are mammograms? So in the public sector, it's quite difficult in South Africa. So imaging and mammography is available in the public sector and the fee structure largely depends on income. So theoretically, you could have free imaging in the public sector. Um, Across the world, breast cancer screening in many countries form part of a nationally funded screening program. So that means the government funds it um, and therefore provides access for women to free mammographic screening. South Africa, unfortunately, does not have a nationally funded mammographic screening program. So in the private sector, the access to mammography is quite easy. Most radiology practices have mammograms. um, Most of the medical aids, at least at some point, do fund it from screening benefits. Otherwise, patients who are able to can pay to have mammographic screening in the government sector. These uh, the mammography equipment and those services are often only located at the referral centers. So you will need to be referred to one of the larger centers to be able to access mammography. Some of these centers do. Um, Provide a degree of screening mammography, but it's not to the extent that we would like to have a nationally funded program. So, in the government sector, the emphasis is largely on breast self-examination and clinical breast examination, where the, the clinic sisters or clinic staff would would assist with um, with breast examination and then refer the patients to the larger centres to receive mammograms if if they do have problems. We've spoken about the detection dynamic
0: of of breast cancer. Thinking about once you've actually been diagnosed, I know that one of your um, methodologies of, of working is through a multidisciplinary collaboration between radiologists and oncologists, as well as other healthcare professionals. What types of cancer treatments are available?
1: So, um, Cancer treatment as a whole usually has two sort of components, and especially in breast cancer as well. We have the surgical component, the surgeons. Um, you have the general surgeon who would assist with removing the cancer. So that can either be uh, what we call breast conservation treatment, where only the lump is removed in some cases, or a mastectomy, where one or both of the breasts are removed entirely. Then under the surgical umbrella, there is also the plastic surgeons who help with the reconstructions to um, to obtain something that is aesthetically uh, satisfactory to the patient. And then um on the other hand, we have the oncologic therapy. So under that umbrella, you have chemotherapy, which is more medication-based, radiation therapy, which is then um, radiation that is given to a certain body part. In this case, it would be the breast, um, and immunotherapy. The order of surgery and chemotherapy and also what treatments you require differ depending on the patient's de- and depending on the cancer so you might need some or all or a combination of those therapies for for the cancer
0: one of the big questions i mean whenever any type of cancer is is mentioned is is always that it kind of hangs over you like a death sentence so if we've got the right diagnosis in place the right type of treatment in place what are survival rates look like
1: So for localized cancer, that's the cancer that hasn't spread; that's still contained within the breast. So the survival rate is actually fantastic. It can be ninety nine percent or higher. And when we talk about survival rate, we usually refer to the five year survival rate. As soon as the cancer starts spreading, so when we talk about a regional um, spread of cancer, that's usually when the lymph nodes under the arm or so are involved. That survival rate decreases to about eighty six percent. And as soon as the cancer spreads distant distally, so let's say to The liver or to the lungs, unfortunately, the survival rate decreases even further to about 30%. And again, that's why that emphasis is so much on early detection, because it really does make a difference. It's not to say that we there aren't treatments and help for the patients who have more advanced cancers, but the treatment options are so much more if we can detect the cancer earlier. Could you use this platform to
0: share any kinds of misconceptions or or myths about breast cancer and and breast imaging that um, you'd like to debunk.
1: Sure. So I think there are so many misconceptions and myths, but I think one of the big ones are that all lumps are cancerous, and I think that causes a lot of anxiety in women. Um, The good news is actually that about 80% of breast lumps are not cancerous. But it is very, very difficult to be able to differentiate between cancerous and non-cancerous lumps simply by feeling. So that's why we encourage women, come for mammograms. If you feel something, come. Let us have a look and let us see if, if it is a problem or if it isn't. Um, some of the other myths are that people believe they're too young to have cancer or that you cannot get cancer when you are breastfeeding or pregnant. Um, unfortunately, during my career, I've diagnosed many 20 something year olds with breast cancer and uh, you know a lot of cancers during pregnancy and breastfeeding as well so um, if there are any problems again please do come let us rather have a look Um, then someone asked me the other day if um, women with bigger breasts have a higher risk of breast cancer that's luckily not true so breast size has no impact on breast cancer clothing deodorant you know that doesn't cause breast cancer either Um, and then uh, there's a misconception that women with breast prostheses or implants cannot have a mammogram that's also not true. We do use different techniques, so it is important to tell the mammographer that you do have breast implants, but they can most certainly have mammograms and screening investigations as well. I think that there
0: are always a lot of um, myths floating around there, and having an expert on on the air to debunk them is always always helpful. You're listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and today we're talking to Dr. Helene Hunnicom, who is a specialist radiologist and has a passion for women's health and a special interest in breast imaging. Dr. Hanekom, turning towards more of a personal perspective, tell us what prompted you to focus on radiology and breast imaging in, in particular.
1: So if I have to look back over my medical studies, uh, my exposure to radiology as an undergraduate was actually fairly limited in a sense. You know, we, we sort of did a bit of radiology as we went through our different rotations and so on. And it was only actually during my internship and my community service years that I really discovered radiology as a, as a um, standalone speciality. I always thought that I would be um, become a pediatrician or a gynecologist because I had this love for, for children and, and women's, health. And then during those um, community service internship years, I realized that I actually liked the the overview of medicine that radiology provides. We, We are involved with all aspects of medicine, from children to um adults to the elderly were involved in all the different uh, different specialities. whether it is orthopedics with fractures and so on or lungs or brain and it gave me this incredible overview um which which i really liked at that stage and that's why i decided to specialize in in radiology and then during my specialization um I was so fortunate to have several senior colleagues who had this inspiring passion for breast imaging and and women's health and it didn't take long for that to sort of rub off on me as well. Um, and it grew from there. So so during my, my years that I was specializing, I really started to sort of gravitate towards breast imaging and seeing what a difference a radiologist can actually make in a patient's journey. Um, and then when I moved on to private practice after I specialized, that's when the passion was sort of fueled. I, I was very, very fortunate to um, have a very supportive practice who allowed me to... To uh, focus a lot of my time on breast imaging and breast intervention, which I'm quite passionate about as well, um, I got involved in a multidisciplinary group um, of which a breast surgeon was a very prominent team member. And by working with her, this passion just grew to where it is today. Where I'm absolutely um, committed and, and inspired to really do all that I can to encourage breast health and to do as much breast imaging as possible. I
0: imagine with your discipline, much like any other, is that there are advances happening, ad- advancements being made all the time. What are some of the new or, or novel techniques um, that, that you're picking up?
1: You're quite right. I think radiology is, um, especially, we're so focused on technology, we're so dependent on technology. Um, so in breast imaging, there are definitely advancements all the time. So in the imaging aspect of it, um, what we have what we call breast tomosynthesis or often called in layman's terms a 3D mammogram, which just, means instead of taking a picture, we now take several low-dose pictures at different angles of the breast, which allows us to then scroll through the mammogram like a book, and that really helps with uh, discerning overlying structures and making more accurate diagnoses. And I mentioned earlier about women with dense breasts um, where mammograms are less sensitive. Breast homosynthesis, or uh, this 3D mammography that I'm talking about, really aids in, in assessing those mammograms and it really does help to pick up more problems. Um, and then in terms of breast biopsies, you know, we've able to do more and more imaging guided biopsies and imaging guided procedures. So, in the past, many years ago, a patient's only option was to go to theater to have a lump excised or removed to be able to get a diagnosis. These days, we've almost completely moved away from surgical biopsies. We do imaging guided biopsies in the radiology department to get a diagnosis before the patient goes to theater. So, by the time the patient goes to theatre or by the time it's ready, the patient is ready for surgery, we know what's going on and the surgeon knows what the correct procedure is for this patient and, and to treat the patient appropriately. So that is really something that that is advancing constantly that we're able to do more and more of. It, it sounds like a
0: non-invasive process and Uh, an advancement in terms of of shifting from just purely surgical to really utilizing the imaging um, diagnostics. Are there any risks to you as a radiologist?
1: So we do work with um, equipment that emit radiation. So throughout radiology practices, x-rays, mammograms, but because it is such a well-known risk in a radiology field, we are very well protected. Um, we do, um, we have lead screening, lead doors um, and so on. So our exposure to the radiation is actually minimal. Where I am in private practice, I must say, I I really cannot um, think of any risks that I'm concerned about on a day-to-day basis. You're
0: actively involved in your discipline and we heard the passion as you explained how you started evolving and progressing in um, radiography, radiology, and more specifically in breast imaging. You participate in the Breast Care Group and the Breast Imaging Society of South Africa. You launched the Club Women's Imaging Centre in Hazelwood with a focus of providing compassionate care in a patient-friendly environment. What were some of your motivations for, for launching the woman, for launching the club women's imaging center?
1: So um, this club, Women's Imaging Center, is actually one of the practices or one of the sites of the larger practice, the doctors Berger Radiologist's practice where where I work. Um, And I've been with the practice for several years. And over the past several years, I've been doing more and more breast imaging, becoming more focused on dedicated women's health. Um, And I've always had this dream of creating something that is more patient-friendly, more women-friendly. I believe that there's a certain degree Degree of anxiety or um, that women find going for mammograms quite daunting. And especially in a hospital environment uh, where you, you have, you're actually healthy but you're going to a hospital surrounded by a lot of sick people, sitting in queues, um, that it can make that experience even less pleasant. So what we've done at club is we've created a unit that is focused on what we believe to be women's needs um, we focused on the small details such as the patient gowns and the experience coming into the unit um, to create a an environment that is just A lot more comforting and a lot more comfortable as well. Um, and then not just on the patient experience, but here we have really invested on world class technology. Um, some of the equipment I have here is, is the first in the country. So I am, I'm very proud to be here today. I'm very proud to be able to offer women a very wide variety of Diagnostic imaging techniques, but also um, intervention biopsy techniques and so on. And, and hopefully that combination of a patient friendly environment with world class technology and the support of an excellent multidisciplinary team um, around me. Hopefully all of that contributes to encouraging women to, to not be scared of coming for a mammogram and, and to let us really um, emphasize screening and, and breast health awareness.
0: Having created this environment and I'm sure seeing its successes, especially within that uh, patient experience, do you envisage this type of opportunity rolling out to other areas in the country? Almost as a franchise?
1: So, um, within the burger practice, I'm really hoping that, that we do catch on and do a lot more aimed at, um, at women specifically. There are several other sites throughout the country that do do, um, specific women's health centers as well. Um, and I think, and I think that's so encouraging and so wonderful to have places that are now realizing how important women's health is. You've got an incredibly fulfilling career and reflecting
0: for a moment on your resume, you earned your undergraduate medical degree with distinction from University of Pretoria. You have postgraduate degrees in radiology from University of the Witwatersrand, as well as the colleges of medicine of South Africa. As a woman in medicine, do you think that in general, the South African environment is supportive enough and encouraging women to pursue careers in medicine?
1: So interestingly, um, if you look at undergraduate medical students, there's actually been a shift to more women in medicine over several years. I was looking at a study that is already almost five years old, and they looked at statistics from 2014 already. Um, And at that stage, if they looked at the global um, medical student ratios across South Africa, they say that 62% of medical students were already female at that stage with some of the institutions having to institute uh, gender ratios so that female admissions do not exceed more than 60% of the general admissions. So, yes, I do think um, South Africa is definitely encouraging and assisting women to pursue medical studies. Uh, With regards to how supportive uh, South Africa is to medical doctors, I think it's not unique to South Africa at all, but medicine is sort of an all-consuming um, occupation with long working hours and a lot of overtime, you know, excessive overtime commitments and so on as well. And I think the work-life balance um, becomes a challenge for, for all doctors, but especially for women where there is often a family in the background. And that definitely impacts career choices and career trajectories, but that's not isolated to and I think that's throughout many, um, you know, different occupations and careers.
0: How have you managed to achieve your balance?
1: Um, I must say I have an incredible support group behind me or a support team. I have um, a family that I have been relying on for many years. I have a fantastic husband and I have colleagues as well that that understand and support me. And by having all of those, they've really um, enabled me to pursue and successfully pursue my career, um, to live my absolute dream of of breast imaging, and at the same time, um, to have a very happy and fulfilling family life. But I must give a lot of credit to this incredible support system that I have available to me.
0: And it sounds like it's something that you've developed over time. I mean, it's not uh, an overnight element where support's in place what are kind of the steps that you've gone about to do that because you're right if you don't have an appropriate support structure, you can't excel because your 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 time is is being dissipated between different um the different things that you have to have to put together
1: so I think in my early medical career my my um occupation my job definitely took priority you know um i think a lot of women especially in their young lives they they want to advance they do more they study more and then there was a point where i had to really um do some introspection and decide what what are my priorities and how do i want my life to be you know um am i going to put in 100% and be at work all day every day or how am i going to find that balance and um as I said, I have I have parents. Um, I have a mother who has been employed um, and a very successful businesswoman my entire life, who has been a fantastic role model, but also I have a husband um, that we we decided to do a 50 50, you know. We both advance our careers, we both focus on our ambitions, but always taking the other one into account. So not doing something at the cost of the other person's career or at the cost of our family life. And that, um, that relationship or that understanding between us, I think is vital. We both have the opportunity to do our best um, and to live our dreams, but also doing that as a unit.
0: It sounds like there's a, an amplifying effect that you're both building one another up in, in your partnership. What advice would you give to women who are considering a career in medicine based on your experiences?
1: So I think um, there are challenges in in South Africa that we shouldn't be blind to, but South Africa has such amazing opportunities. You know, there's a dire need for doctors and not just only for doctors, for healthcare professionals in general. So um, if you can look past the challenges and, and see the amazing opportunities that are available in South Africa, um, I think it really is an incredible, um, profession to be a part of and really a place where you, we can, we can actually make a difference, where we can actually really get involved. And, um, especially if you're willing to, to work in the periphery where there is a great lack of resources and, and expertise as well, you really have the opportunity to make an amazing difference. But, going into that, make sure that you do have the support, Make if you're able to, make sure that you have people around you who can assist you during this journey, because it does make the road much easier.
0: And it also sounds as though once you commence with your degree, that you find your way into your area of specialization, that a lot of people don't necessarily come into their degree going, I'm going to specialize in cardiology, I'm going to be a gynecologist, but it's about utilizing your exposure on those various internship opportunities and, and finding your path.
1: Definitely, medicine is so such a wide field um, and even if you don't specialize, you know, there is so much in medicine. So I think for a um, a high school student to to think, oh, I'm going to become a cardiologist, until you're involved in that speciality or in the field of medicine, you cannot fully grasp what it entails. And um, when working in, you know, in the clinical field and as you say, an internship and throughout a medical career, you get a feel of what your passions are, where your um dreams lie. And that definitely sort of shapes you into a direction.
0: Reflecting on your journey, what would you say have been some of the factors that have contributed to your success?
1: so I think um, I've always been very driven very ambitious um, and with a with a will to to succeed in what I do so I think that sort of unwavering um a drive to, to to carry on to persevere. I think on a personal note that that has definitely been, been something that that drives me today to make success of, of what I do. I must also say that um I I had landed in this practice of mostly men, but who have shown such compassion um in, in what we do for women's health and um they have really helped me uh, to identify opportunities, to grasp opportunities and have dreamed with me to where we are today in this women's imaging center. And then, as I've said before, you know, um, I think no one is, is an island or is successful alone. If, if it wasn't for my support, I would, I would not be where I am today. Tell us about
0: a few pivotal moments in your life growing up.
1: So I come from a, um, from a family of, of healthcare practitioners, not just doctors, but I was very exposed to medicine throughout my life. And, um, I remember, I think it was at CNA or Clicks or so that my mother used to buy those body health books. Um, and they used to come, I think, every month or every few months. And we would just absorb those books. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had, I had this exposure to medicine all my life and, whether I would become a doctor or not, I cannot remember that ever really being a question. It was just sort of the way, the way it was. Um, so, so my, my whole life, I've sort of felt this draw towards medicine. And then during, um, my schooling, uh, my parents decided to send me to an English high school, even though I am uh, born and bred Afrikaans. And even though it was uh, definitely challenging going from a very Afrikaans environment, um, I must say retrospectively that was a very good decision. <laughs> um, because a lot of what we do after after schooling is in English. So um that that was something that really helped me along the way as well. And then as I've as I've spoken about before, I've just had amazing influences along the way, colleagues that have been passionate and that have guided me um, you know, throughout my journey. You spoke about
0: your mom earlier as having a a strong impact on your life and being a businesswoman. Who have been some of the important women in your life?
1: So you can imagine that my answer is going to be quite cliche and say that (laughs) I would have to start with my mother. Um, She's a remarkable career woman. And throughout my life, she has just set an incredible example of what women can achieve. Um, Looking back, I realize now how difficult it can be not only to excel in your career, but at the same time, not neglect your family. Um, to this day, she's definitely my greatest mentor, teaching me about family life, about being a professional woman. Um, She is involved in the healthcare system as well, so I've learned a lot um, from her about that. Um, And she has this amazing love for patients and people in general, you know, not just in a hospital environment, but also in her day-to-day life. Um, And this compassion. Um, She's taught me to never stand back for opportunities, you know, and, and a chance to try to make a difference no matter where you are or how small that difference can be Um, and she's always really encouraged me to be the best that I can be so I remember her saying to me once that if you are a street a street sweeper just be the best street sweeper and that has stuck with me so wherever you are whatever role you're in do your best try be the best that you can be so um so definitely primarily my mother and then working in an environment where i'm exposed to women um Throughout my day, I must say that the patients that I see day to day, they are so inspiring to see the strength, the courage, even when they faced it with difficult circumstances, with difficult diagnoses and prognoses, um, they really inspire me every day. And I have learned so much uh, from these patients about hope and strength. So, yes. That's really
0: touching. I The, the, the compassion that comes through, the, the empathy. And what you've just said is you actually work in a highly emotive environment because of the experiences the patients are going through. Lastly, as we close out today's conversation, please, can you share a few words of motivation or inspiration that you'd like to pass on to girls and women who are listening to us?
1: Um, I think we as women, um, at the moment are very fortunate to live in incredible times where women have more opportunities than ever and, and the opportunities may be limitless, you know? Um, but my advice would be to, to take care of yourself, to love yourself and to just be yourself um and to find your way in in that sense um i think if if you do do take care of yourself um and 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 if you are yourself, you're able to see and grasp the opportunities that come across your road. And then I think it is our responsibility to to utilize those opportunities to actually give back. And in that sense, build a future for the woman coming after us in the same sense that we've had the opportunities uh, today. Thank you so much.
0: And it's It'd been a real pleasure chatting to you and your inspiration your passion for breast imaging but also about development for women paving the way for for the future so thank you so much for joining us thank you so much thanks for having me You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and we've been talking to Dr. Helene Hanukom, who is a specialist radiologist with a passion for women's health and special interest in breast imaging.